Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are live from Boston for the 124th Army-Navy game. Excited to get this thing going in just a couple of days. And as it's going to be evidenced here in just a couple of moments, we're going to come back in just a moment here um, and go with the normal schedule. It's not going to be that much of a normal schedule. we got a million guests. And who better to lead us off than Reese Davis? I know, man. Starting right off with the big dog. We're, we're, the rip. we're, we're getting off the bus immediately <laughs> with a guest. And Is it one, the game day bus with everybody singing? It, Darius Rucker and yeah, all of them? Are they in the background, too? Yeah, Pat McAfee. He is, is singing whatever <laughs> fight song. Reese Davis is breaking it down. Who better to bring in the college football conversation than Reese Davis himself? Reese, thank you so much for the time, man. Thanks for helping us get off the bus. How are you? <laughs> I'm happy to do it, but I think another way to look at this is that I could be the undercard. I could be, you know, like the, the mere opening act for you guys, but the headliners are coming late. <laughs> I don't think so. You're Reese, definitely a headliner. Look, my look man. that's very humble of you. That is, you know, that's very nice. But you are no undercard, my friend. You are bringing in the college <laughs> football conversation. And so, real quickly, just with this Army Navy game, where does this event rank for you among all of the college football games that you've been a part of in your career? This one obviously is very special. Where does it rank for you every season? You know, it's hard to rank it because I think it its own entity it's unique and as my uh, friend jay billets with the help of his wife wendy uh, reminds us often there is no gradations of unique something is either unique or it's not and i think that this game is part of it is because of the daunting prospects of what lie in front of the men who will play the game tomorrow the other sort of the history and the nostalgia of uh, both service academies and what they represent in terms of uh protecting our freedom as a country and all of that is sort of captured on on the football field and then for you know for those 60 minutes or last year a little bit more with the overtime you know there's hostility on the field but there's such a a great respect because there has to be that bond for what you know as has been said often what will happen upon other fields uh upon other days so it's uh it's really special for us to be a part of it. I really missed being a part of it a year ago. And to bring it to a place where they haven't hosted Army-Navy before, which is also so rich in American history, just seems like a really natural fit. And I know that uh, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, the entire uh, crew of people who work to make this happen are very excited and, um, and proud to have hosted this. So this is a great thing for our show, and we enjoy being able to showcase both uh, the Corps and the Brigade uh, on that on this morning in December where they get to be the standalone game and you know not get, not get lost in the wash of conference championship games or other rivalry games or something like this. This deserves its own stage, and we're proud to uh, help shine a light on that. Reese West Bryan here, and then talking about that stage and with college football being with all of the spread offense and all these points and throwing the ball all over all over the field, 105 rushing attempts last year in this game. We know this is going to be all about running and playing defense. How much do you enjoy this as a purist where it's just straight running and straight physicality in this game? 
It's uh, it, it's fun to watch, man. It is like uh, like taking a step back in time. And to both of their credit, uh, both of them looked into tweaking their offenses a little bit this year and had some degree of success with it, particularly Army. Although in the I think in the most recent game, Army won yet again under uh, Jeff Munkin without completing a pass. You know, that's one of the things that I think about you know about Jeff as a coach. And this was also true of Ken Matalolo when he was the head coach at Navy, and I think will be true of Brian Newberry as he as he's taking over in his first year at Navy. They adapt and they run these offenses because it, it levels the playing field and gives them an opportunity to win. Um, you know, Ken Matalolo uh, certainly uh, probably should have been hired at Arizona. You know, at one point he would not have run this style of option there. If Jeff Munkin gets a job, he wouldn't run this style of offense. But it gives them a great chance to win, and it is so much fun to watch because, it, you know, a lot of us grew up with this or at least some version of this type of offense. And to, and, and to watch it, watch the intensity, watch the physicality of, of the guys is, uh, is really cool, and it usually lends itself uh, to being a close game, which we get on most occasions or at least more often than not. Okay, Reese, now getting down to the topic that's been on everybody's minds pretty much all weekend. I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon as we're almost a week removed uh, from the college football playoff selections. Uh, What are your thoughts? Are you still as excited about these games? And was Florida State being left out uh, an indictment on the ACC, in your opinion? You know, I don't think it's an indictment. It's not It's not a conspiracy. It's, uh, you know, all of that nonsense because as I take an aside and take this opportunity, I guess, if this were some um, conspiracy led by a cabal, why are Michigan and Washington in it? You know, we'd have, we'd have Florida State and Georgia, you know, if this were some, you know, ESPN-led cabal. So it's sort of a, you know, it's sort of nonsense. I don't mind the fans. They should be upset about it because it's their team. And, you know, I, I understand that. But the people who should know better that have been saying the nonsense and stoking the fire for their own gain is, you know, probably to be expected, but still disappointing. Um, I think that here's the argument. You can look at all of the other things, but the, the, the thing turned on the fact that Florida State on one side of the ball didn't look the same without Jordan Travis. Had Tate Rodemaker played in the ACC championship game, and had he, you know, had he looked, you know, at least as good at Florida, maybe maybe a little bit better than that, looked a little, you know, a little bit more like the passing game was a factor, a little bit more like the offense could function well, I think Florida State would have gotten in. But, you know, basically what it came down to for that committee was do they think they could win the national championship, and they deemed that the answer was no. Now, I think the appropriate argument, if you want to make one, is not screaming nonsense about conspiracies, but saying, do we want that? Do we want the committee to be able to evaluate injury? Is that appropriate? And, you know, it's a different thing in basketball because you're not talking about inclusion or exclusion. And to me, that is a much, and that doesn't change the result, but none of these arguments are going to change the result. So the question should become, is that appropriate? Do we want that, or do we want it to be a strict uh, evaluation of what was accomplished regardless of other circumstances? And when you do that, what is that? That's a formula. 
And we didn't like the formula before. We hated the BCS. The BCS is awful. We need people to apply some common sense. Well, in the judgment and in the protocol of the committee, evaluating injuries fell into the realm of the common sense. That part's not written, common sense, but injury, uh, that, that part is written in. So that's the issue. The issue is not about somebody wanting somebody in. And I, I've, I've taken offense, not personally, but when people cast this committee as a monolithic group that is incapable of thinking on their own and would take direct orders from somebody or has an agenda against this team or that team. You really think that about Jim Grove? You really think that about Joe Taylor or Ward Manuel? You really think that? You know, it's kind of, it's nonsense. And, you know, so that, and Will Shields, there, there are players and coaches, you know, in that room, and this is the decision they make. And by the way, I'm sure it wasn't unanimous. I'm sure it was heated, and I'm sure that there were a number of people who said not only does Florida State deserve to be in, they deserve to be number three. And, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because this was a different kind of year in terms of playoff contenders. There were more of them. There were a lot of years where Georgia would have gone in anyway. We'll just look at two years ago. Georgia lost in the SEC championship game and went in, won the national championship. So it was a different year in terms of a lot of teams who looked very similar, whose resumes were, uh, you know, depending on which part you preferred, wanted to cherry pick one was better than another here or there. But they're all taken as a whole pretty similar not a lot of uh, difference among the teams. And because of that, Florida State was a, you know, just a terrible misfortune with Jordan Travis. Um, you know, didn't, didn't make it out of the committee room. And that's really, really unfortunate for the Seminoles. But, you know, I don't think it was any type of indictment on anybody. It was simply a case of misfortune. They lost their most important player. And it wasn't a running back or a linebacker or a guard. All of those players are important. But there's a reason that people are paying seven figures in the transfer portal for quarterback. They touch the ball every play. They orchestrate the offense. And the way football is played, most places he says, they are the most important guy on the field. And not that the other ones aren't. Not that it's a one-man show. But if you don't have a quarterback, you have a really difficult time. And the committee felt like that's where they fell short. And I think it was as simple as that. Not an indictment on anything else. It's just uh, pretty simple. That's no undercard. Reese Davis helping us out. Start the all. show today. Right all. off of the bat. Other than, so, other than that, other than that long-winded answer, I don't have an opinion. No, no, that's it. That's that's Reese not sharing any opinions to lead off the show. Nothing like that at all. I wish we could hear more of your opinions, but such is life on Media Row for the Army Navy game. We got a lot of guests to get through, but who better to start it off than the guy that brings in college football every single weekend? That is the voice of Reese Davis on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Reese, can't thank you enough for your time, man. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Reese. All right, you got you guys back in Charlotte. You guys are going to hear what non-structured radio is all about today. We got to go to break. We don't have enough time. We got Matt Burke on the other side. We have Keenan Reynolds to join us, and we need to get there right now. So bear with us. We're going to show our versatility WFNZ. Today. <laughs> it's Wesson Walker off and rolling in a big old way. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You might have heard 
We're live from Boston, live from Media Row for the Army-Navy game taking place tomorrow. Going to be our first one. We're excited to go over to Foxborough and watch the Army-Navy game. But it's our guest's first time, too, going to this one. Matt Burke, former NFL center, all-pro center, I should say, for the Ravens and the Vikings, also Super Bowl champion, joining us now via In Spirit, the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Matt, thank, uh, Matt, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Great to be with you guys, man. This is I'm excited for tomorrow. All right, so... How much have you anticipated this event? When did you find out, and how excited were you once you realized well, you had the opportunity? So every year I make my boys, I got five boys, uh, make them watch this game because I think it's important, you know, for a lot of reasons. And then uh, just a couple weeks ago, the opportunity came up, and I turned to my wife, and I was like, what do you think? She goes, go. And uh, just being in Boston, you know, I went to Harvard University right down the road. By the way, how can you tell someone went to Harvard University? Mm -hmm. They'll tell you, um, which I just did. <laughs> you just, uh, so you're not going to be one of those guys that said, I went to school up in Boston. No, no, that's, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I just get it out there. But uh, no, this is, I'm, I'm so pumped. And this is, uh, this is fantastic right here in this media center. Matt, the other reason I can tell you went to Harvard is because you have a shiny, blinding me in the face Harvard logo on your luggage that you brought in. Yeah. Like that, is, that thing is blinding very regal, me. Very Not, gold, so much. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. It's shiny a little bit. It's shiny a little bit. No, this is exciting for all of us. It's cool to hear that it's your first time as well. So, what are you most excited about when you go over there and check everything out? I think I think you know all the pregame stuff. And then the post-game stuff. I mean, not to say the game's not important. I love I love running the football. I love watching that. I love the, the triple veer option, whatever. But um I think it, I think it's the stuff before and after. That's that's the most important and that I think I think that'll probably hit me the deepest. Well let me tell you, they must have had classes for handshake one oh one at Harvard because he definitely Was that has a Adrian handshake. Peterson handshake uh, that we NFL have. Well, center. So here's for sure. A, so he's my locker was right next to Adrian Peterson for two years and you know, he comes in, he's got all the hoopla and they talk about how hard working this guy is and I was like yeah, you know, I was like a ten-year vet. I'm like, oh, we'll see what the young fellas got, right? And he comes in the first day, and he shook me my hand, and I must, I must have had not both my feet on the ground or something, like, I, or maybe my feet weren't apart, because when he shook my hand, I thought. Son of a gun, he almost broke it. I said, that's never, that's never going to happen to me again. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to AP everybody from here on out. There's so many stories about his handshakes. Like, it's amazing that thing is a thing of legend. Man, how, how much would you like? I know you were an offensive lineman. You played in some high-flying offenses, whether you talk about the Minnesota Vikings with Randy Moss and the crew. But <laughs> to come out last year in this game, they ran the ball 105 times. How much would you enjoy running the ball 55, 60, 65 times in a game like we're going to see one of these teams do tomorrow? You know, yeah, that's great. You only see off. Offensive line. I, mean, I always want to run the ball, and there's nothing like a 15-play drive, you know, where you just methodically four, five, six yards a pop and run it down their throats. But those two-play 80-yard drives, those are nice too. Like they when are. you, man, when I played with Randy Moss. It was like I don't know, what, I don't know what any routes were, but they were always numbered. And when they said nine, I'd kind of perk up and I'd look at Moss, and he'd kind of give me the nod, like he's running the nine. Yeah. I mean, he's going deep, and I'm like. All right, boys, we got a shot at this one. About half the time, you know, he catch it, and it would go to the house. So. Um, not 55, 60 times, but, yeah, a good 35, 40 times. That'd be good, but you gotta, you got to sprinkle in some passes. So then, uh, Matt, looking at our Carolina Panthers down in Charlotte oh. and the offensive line issues that they've had. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, just yeah. from your vantage point, from your expertise, what do you see? Is this problem fixable, or are they going to have to go out shopping for basically a whole new offensive line this offseason? You know, it's so hard to say. I don't know if you need a whole new offensive line, but O-line, you do need five guys working together. I mean, you can have five average offensive linemen and they can be a very good or elite offensive line it really is how well do they work together because you you rarely is it just like you know man on man five five ways across the board um you know i know they're kind of messing with the 
the schemes and I mean coaches here's the thing you got to figure out what what what's going to be your scheme you know what, what's your running scheme you're going to be a zone you're going to be a gap what are you going to do and then you have to understand as coaches it's not going to it's not going to take a month you know it's probably going to take a year it might take two years and sometimes the the progress that you make isn't always going to be like super evident but if you believe in your scheme and your system you stay the course when I was in Baltimore my second to last year we changed to a zone scheme and we were all thinking, well, great, because if you remember, like, the Denver teams from the 90s, and zone looks easy, right? Just turn and run. And, and the coach said, look, guys, you're going to be running more than you ever thought. And we were like, whatever. you got to run your butt off when you're running zone scheme because you're always chasing those backside linebackers. You're always trying to cut them. And it was kind of bumpy there for, for, for probably about a year and a half. And then about midway through the, the second season, it kind of started. I think the backs were on the same page on how to set it up. Um, we had a good feel for each other on certain kinds of blocks, and you know, and then I mean, we ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. But it it it, it just it doesn't happen quickly. You know, we want everything to happen fast, and O line play is just not like that. Oh, Matt, we were really heavy into X's and O's breaking down offensive line play yesterday. He played offensive line. I clearly did not. But like he played receiver. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that, <laughs> you do, man. Well, you, like, too. you do too. You look like I'm a tight end. I don't look as good as this guy. Well, I appreciate that. Man. What about I me? What do I play? What, what do you think uh, I play? You kicker? Yeah, no, I wasn't anything. He looked like a quarterback. You know, he he's actually a he's tall. He yeah. He's yeah. got the hair going. got the noodle arms going on. Yeah, maybe that's what I played. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I played. That's what I played. It's pretty boy attempted to we really talked about offensive line play yesterday and we just had an athletic article joe purse and diana rossini reported a couple days ago that the offensive line really did have a hard time meshing thomas brown's zone run concepts from the rams the offensive coordinator coming over meshing that with frank reich you have jim caldwell you have all these different offensive minds which is great but it doesn't feel like there was enough continuity how much does that matter, especially when we discuss stability on the offensive line being so important? No, it's it, it just looks like it hasn't fi- gotten fixed at all huge, as the season's gone on. Huge. You got to have an identity, and you got to figure out what what are our guys good at, and then as a player, you want to know like are, are we a zone team? Are we get, and then like because if we're a zone team, great. Then these five things about zone blocking, I'm going to get really really good at, and I know I can go back and during the course of a game because I practice these five things every single day that they're just automatic, and I can go in there and just focus on competing. Um, it's it's really important. And then, you know, the way that you know, the best part about running the football is an offensive line, you run play action, right? Like, yeah. like That's the best. You don't want to be in third and 12 all the time having drop back pass. And so how is the play action married to your, your, your run action? And so it is important. I think as players, you just want to know, like, what's our identity? What are, what are we doing? What kind of team are we? And once the coaches make that decision, then then we're just going, and we're not going to sit here and second guess or try to try to tweak it and change it now and change it now. And listen, obviously it's a mess in Carolina right now on a lot of fronts. Um, so I'll give you a footballism: it's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. And uh, you know, part of this was probably expected with a with a brand new quarterback having to play him or, or deciding to play him um, right away. And so. You, you kind of hope if you're a Panthers fan that the quarterback and O-line can develop together. And this year's this year. We'll take our lumps. Biggest thing is next year we need to see a lot of improvement. Matt, so you've played with young quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks throughout your career. How fast did it take you to figure out if they had it or not? And what's your opinion on Bryce Young thus far? Or is it just too much of a short sample size and not enough around them yet to determine I think that. it's a short sample size and like you just talked about sort of a, a some confusion is like what do we want to be on offense you, you really can't um, 
I think, accurately judge whether he's got what it takes or not. I mean, I would still think that he does, just judging by what he did in college. I do think it feels like he has the leadership qualities that it takes. First and foremost, that's a leadership position. You know, you got to be on your P's and Q's. You got to be prepared. You got to work hard. You know, guys got to respect you. And I think I think he's got that. It just hasn't translated into good quarterback play. But it, but it's, it's it's not just him, right? I mean, it's it's a lot of things going wrong. So as long as he, I think, keeps his composure, doesn't get overwhelmed, doesn't get down on himself, and just keeps keeps going out there, and maybe you get a little improvement here the last month of the season. I think going to the off season, guys will say, okay, look, it was it wasn't good last year. But this guy stayed the course, and we respect him. As a young player, he sat in there, took his lumps, didn't turn, didn't try to blame anybody else. He's working to get better. He'll he'll win the respect of his guys, and that'll make a big difference going into the offseason and into year two. Matt, you are a part of a limited club. You are a part of the got to ride off in the sunset with a Super Bowl uh, club. It was pretty cool. We got to see that maybe a couple times in NFL history. Did you know that was going to be your last season, or did you just decide – what else do I do now? I, I got a Super Bowl championship. I didn't Let's know for quit. sure. You know, Ray Lewis announced at the beginning of the playoffs he was going to retire, so I didn't want to. Yeah, you know, I want to overshadow Ray. That's for sure. You would have gotten all the media attention. <laughs> You've gotten it all. Uh, I remember we were done, and um, and I kind of wanted to come back. So I was like, well, that was so much fun. Like now, what's better? Trying to defend it, right? Like that's even harder. But um, after I took a few weeks after the season, I was like, look, at the time I had six kids. Uh, I played 15 years, which was like. 14 and a half years longer than I thought I would. I mean, I was like, don't push it, man. I was healthy. Like, this this, this is it. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it's nice to – it's a nice way to end, right? I mean, nobody can really say anything after that. It's I would like, say it's a nice way yeah, to end. If, if, if you had your choice, that's how you would uh, – that's how you want it to end. But, yeah, my, my whole career is basically like – I mean, I didn't, I didn't deserve any of that, so – so your weight loss journey, too, became very popular this <laughs> summer. Plenty of outlets <laughs> spoke with you about losing 75 pounds. I even know how many inches you lost off your waistline. Yeah, that's you have weird. the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, 10 inches off your waistline since playing in the NFL. You know, we're in Carolina. We got to see Jordan Gross undergo a crazy Nuts. quick transformation. What's that like for you and all these other offensive linemen that seem to do it as well? Well, when you retire, it's like, man, you, you put so much effort into this thing, and now you're done. It's like, well, I need to take this, this focus and put it somewhere and no lineman you know like your whole life you just you don't like buying clothes you can never take your shirt off in public you're like screw it man i'm going for it i want to i just want to feel what it's like to be skinny even if it's for like five minutes no <laughs> i had that five minutes and then i you know put on a few back but uh yeah it's just you know, like no lineman it's like like i said you, you like you got to put yourself into something you got to you, you got to work hard at something so uh, your whole life you're trying to gain weight, you might as well try to lose it. So, Matt, tell us about these Heritage Gear uh, bags that you've got going, yeah. man. They look really great. Lots of compartments. They, they're they very nice. I appreciate it. Heritage Gear premium licensed goods. We've got 50 colleges and universities. We've got an NFL license. Made in America. I mean, really well built. Built to last. Here I've got an Army West Point and a Naval Academy bag with me. You know, these bags are like 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 they're built to um i mean they're they're worthy of 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 these of these logos and a couple of weeks ago we we came out with a flag bag collection we raised a hundred thousand dollars for team red white and blue a veterans organization we appreciate our military and so just in honor of this game and anybody who watches or supports this game if you go to heritagegear.com and use the code army navy 23 you can get 30 percent off your entire order you can order Ooh, Panthers right bags. There, man. you can order alabama bags or west point navy bags whatever you want but Army Navy 23 at Heritage Gear. 
Com, and we're just uh, we're just glad to be here. The Panthers bag is sweet, hey, I'm, te- I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. We get to see the bags here in real time. They're sensational. HeritageGear.com. The Carolina Panthers one. It looks sharp. Wes has it on his computer screen, so make sure you go check that out. Thanks. Huge thanks to Matt Burke joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We really appreciate it, man. Have fun. Good to be with you guys. Thanks. Absolutely. All that right, man. Really good stuff from Matt Burke hopping on with us. We're going to have guests rolling in all day long in anticipation of the Army-Navy game. We're live on Media Row from Boston, Massachusetts. We're going to welcome Keenan Reynolds, former Big time right here, man. If you know Navy football, you know Keenan Reynolds. I mean, man. he never lost to Army ever. Had the most rushing touchdowns in D1 history, most total touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah, this guy we might as well say is the Army-Navy game goat. Uh, he is the Navy goat. I think so. Yes, he is. So, <laughs> let's welcome him in. Yeah, man. Keenan Reynolds now joining us here as we continue to bring on the guest and every single one of them are impressive you just heard Wes talk about him Keenan Reynolds former Navy QB former NFL player currently a lieutenant in the U.S. Naval Reserve Keenan did we get it all is there anything else that we're leaving out I mean uh, I don't forget he finished fifth in Heisman voting fifth in Heisman voting yeah, yeah, you yeah. tell as us a, if we're as, a, anything. as a option quarterback <laughs> very impressive we won't see that again ever no the last bit is you know working for Palantir and, and some of the things that I've been able to do uh, at that company you know obviously they're the sponsor for the game, but and they're the reason why I'm here today. But you know that that probably be the last little thing I'd add to that to that bio. Well yeah. deserved, well deserved. We will put that in the bio as well. <laughs> Keenan, how excited are you for this game every single year? Because it's our first time, and it we're really excited about it. But what does it mean for you as a former player? and competitor coming back here every season well for you guys first time i think you're in for a tree i think it's going to be a great game it's going to be the atmosphere is like i can't i could try to tell you what it's going to be like i'm sure you guys have been a lot of huge games but it's this is going to be some trump them all i mean i think year in and year out no matter what happens the game is just it's something about being around like big time moments that i just really love and, and i think that this game epitomizes that all time all four years of my my career were close one or two plays decided decided the outcome, and I think that that's kind of the trend for Army-Navy games. If you look back, you know, you may have some blowouts here or there, but, like, you know, overall, like, you have those really, you know, those tight games where one or two plays kind of makes the difference. And so, Keenan, we know about all the big rivalries in college football, college sports in general. Walk me through what the week is like in the lead-up to this game. Yeah, you know, that, that's something that comes up. A lot of people have asked us about that. Uh, you know, what, what is it like, you know, the Friday before the game, the week before the game? I think the struggle is, like, trying to not think about it, right? Like, you're just trying to focus on what's my film study, what's my practice rep, what do I need to do to be successful in my job? Um, and, you know, the coaches, you know, I played with Coach, ne- Coach Nehemiah was my guy, and he, he talked about it all the time as not getting caught up in the pageantry, you know, not looking at the, the march on and all that stuff, but, like, really focusing on our, on our, on our goals. You know, but, like, even – I remember forget the Thursday before the game, like all of the, the brotherhood and those that graduated and played Navy football, they come to that Thursday practice. So you see all the old grads and people that you may have heard stories about watching on film, and then you leave Thursday night. That doesn't happen any other any other game. You get here, you're all you're here all day Friday. You see them, you know, see all the signs everywhere and the hotel. I mean, it's just it's an incredible atmosphere. So it's really really hard to forget. Um, but that's what you're trying to do the entire week. And so when you look at this thing, how much pride do you take in never losing uh, one of these matchups? And what's your favorite part of the actual game as far as the pageantry goes? Is there a uh, ritual or anything that's your favorite? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up never losing. I've been trying to drop that in, you know, to my to my friend Alex that's here. Impressive. Every single, uh, you know, every single interview we have. So appreciate you reminding him of that. Yeah. Uh, 
but no, I think the the thing that kind of stands out is like I always I tell the story. I've told it a couple times today. Is my freshman year rolling up to the link. Usually you come a couple hours early to stadiums. You know it's empty. Nobody's in. The gates aren't even open. But I'm rolling up to the link, and it's about 60% full, and we haven't even gotten the locker room to start putting our uniform on. And, you know, obviously the reason why it's like that is because a march on happens so early. So I think just like it just adds to that element of like excitement because when you're going out warming up the mids, the cadets, everybody's in the stands. You got random fans all in the stands. It almost feels like you're playing. You're just warming up. Like normally you warm up is like 20 people in the stands. But, you know, you got 25,000 people in the stands now. And it's the, the student sections are cheering. They're having a good time. It's just people are all up and down the sidelines. That pregame kickoff, man, is just—it's incredible. And then you have the the the, the, the you run out of the tunnel. You know, army runs out. They have the Apaches and stuff fly over. And then we we run out, and you know, we have much cooler things that fly over. You know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it talking strong. But, but you know that—I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, I remember my first game after I stopped playing, and I got—I feel like I was running out there. I had chills all over my body. I was like, this is this is incredible. Like to see this right now again. It's incredible to be a part of. All right, so what we did was we were just the jerks that focused on the QB way more than the offensive lineman. You might have known that, Wes, as a former offensive lineman yourself. Let's welcome Alex Moore, not only a football co-captain of Army back in the day, current Army officer, and the recipient of a lot of trash talk in just those five minutes from Keenan Reynolds. He was at West Point, played offensive line all four years, started junior, senior season. Do you have to put up with that all the time, Alex? It's all good it's on this one, too. You know, it's uh, used to the trash talk. It's all par for the week on everything going forward in that. And that, uh, you know, Keenan's, Keenan's a heck of an athlete. He did a lot of good stuff at Navy. Uh, you know, definitely reminds me of that record when he was there. I was not there at that time. So, you know, we did That's, win. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say, well, and plus, if you were to play maybe a skill position, you would have gotten more love. Absolutely. Like absolutely. That's but, what we can go with. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, wouldn't trade being a fat man, being an offensive lineman for anything in the world. You know, some of the greatest guys I ever played with, some, some great friends and some great brothers that I'm still part of uh, their lives. And so, Alex, uh, talk about just, we know myself being a former student athlete but just how different it is being a student athlete in the service academy what, what is that like oh absolutely it's uh you know it's different uh you know one of the things to give everybody credit is that uh, i'm sure it's the same at the naval academy but you know every cadet and athlete every athlete a cadet is one of the sayings there but you know obviously playing football and the commitment that you have from that perspective on that you know it takes up six hours a day in season you know you're either watching film you are getting treatments you're working out doing lifts or you're studying film for an hour or two before you know two to three hours of practice and then going through and kind of you know doing it all again the next day so i think it's, it's it's a very big time commitment, but the good thing about that teaches you great discipline, teaches you great prioritization, and teaches you a lot of good life lessons to take. You know, not only once you graduate, being in the military, being deployed, you know, leading actual soldiers in combat, and then you know into your professional life as well. So with the way that these two teams play, like we said, we know that they love the option offenses, love to just run the heck out of the football. Do you guys watch? Uh, other football games and are just like, man, I, I can't get into this. This is not enough running for me. You know, on that one, too, I will, as an offensive lineman on that, you know, we have a saying, it's, it's, it's run the damn ball. And, and being able to see that a little bit, too. So I, uh, you know, do love the, the option offense a little bit, too, where it's three yards in a cloud of dust and, you know, take joy in watching the little things at the offensive line, how they're able to get, you know, positioning and hand placement and, you know, drive the other opponent back. Alex, uh, another question I had for you is you were deployed. While you were deployed, you led over 200 combat missions. You facilitated the hand 
handover of battle space to local Iraqi units in 08. Military awards decorations include Bronze Star, Purple Heart, three Army commendations in the, the Combat Action Badge. What I want to ask, and maybe this is an ignorant question, I apologize if so, does football help you lead in battle and overseas? If, if that's the case, how does it help you? Oh, 100%. That's, I'll always say it and stand by it. That's the best leadership lesson I've ever had in my life. You know, I learned more about how to lead different soldiers, you know, how to be somewhat of a servant leader on this one, and how to put really prioritize your soldiers first and then, you know, ensure that the mission gets taken care of. So learning that in athletics and especially, you know, football, combat sport, where you are competing, where it's not an individual sport, but you have to get everybody to come together for a collective mission. It's the same on the football field, executing a play or executing a raid or an offensive action, you know, in Iraq, where you've got to get 30 people on the same page. Your stuff can really go wrong. And both or either of you guys can answer this. How much does football kind of take you away from that? Because for a lot of student athletes at regular schools, you know, football is work. It's, it could be a job. But for you guys, how much is it a getaway from the real stuff that you guys have to deal with? It was the best thing in the world. And, you know, Keenan and I were talking about on the walk over here. It's, uh, you know, the games are, are just, you know, the best time in the world. But it's also, too, in practice. And to, to get that stressed out, I needed to hit people a couple times a week. And, you know, this was a good legal way to do it. Yeah, that was like my, my meditation for two hours. Like, yeah, you're getting, you go, you're getting after it. You know, it's tough work. But man, like being in the hall, being at Bancroft Hall, going to class, that was hard. That was harder. So, like to get on the field, it was like I could automatically just release and forget about anything that was happening, except what I was doing in that play at that moment. Um, and I think that everybody needs that outlet, and that was the way that kind of helped me get through the academy. All right. So, final question for us, and I want both of you to be honest. Please be honest with me. Do you guys pull for each other when you don't play against one another? Is that the case? And both of you can answer coming from different schools. I don't even watch Army. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, being a, being an alum, alumnus and like, you know, looking back, I just enjoy good ball. So like, if Army if Army's playing, I like, and they're on TV, I'll. And, and I can watch it. I'll turn it on, especially watch the Army Air Force game. I think it's it's, it's very much a similar atmosphere as Army-Navy, not quite as big. But, like, that, that rivalry game between the service academies is very interesting. So even when we were playing, like, we would always try to try to understand, like, did, did Army beat Air Force? Did Air Force beat Army? Mm -hmm. Like, because it sets up kind of this situation that we're in now where the, the commander-in-chief's on the line for Army. Mm -hmm. So, like, that – you, you, you track those games. You're really tracking those those service academy games. Yep, absolutely. And you're always watching, you know, what's the other opponent doing? You know, what are they working right there a little bit? And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll cheer for them, but most of the time it's, you know, you're cheering for the opponent on that way. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, somebody give me the direct answer. Yeah, Keenan, you did a great job, Dodger. You answered truthfully first, and then Alex had to clean it up with the truth there. Yeah. Great stuff. Keenan Reynolds, former Navy QB, also Alex Moore, football co-captain of Army, offensive line starter the last two years, and current Army officer. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank, Thank you, you for your service. Great. We really thanks, appreciate Justin. every single thing that you had to share with us today. Uh, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Awesome stuff, man. This is a great experience for both of us here. We're that having a lot is. of fun. Hopefully it is for you, the listener. we got to keep going. We're pumping out guests left and right here. Let's continue on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks. To the West and Walker Show live from Boston back from the, the Army-Navy game, the 124th <laughs> edition to be exact. We've had some great guests on so far. Keenan Reynolds, Reese Davis, just to name a couple. And we've got even more. And we've got one sitting across the desk from us. It might get a little hot over here, okay? <laughs> uh, get the war chant started. Get the chops going because we have former Florida State great, former first-round pick of the Buffalo Bills, and ACC Network college football analyst. 
analyst EJ Manuel joining us here in Boston. EJ, what's going on, my man? What's going on, fellas? It's good to be here. I'm fresh off the plane, literally. Uh, but very happy to be here in Boston today. How's it look for y'all two looking in the mirror? <laughs> yeah, look at we're seeing spitting images on ourselves. <laughs> right, right, right. Nah, yeah. but we've had this running joke for, I guess, what, six months now? Yeah, Back in yeah. August. Yeah. And Wesley came up to me. He was like, yo, somebody just confused me for you. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of looked at him and I was like, yeah. I don't really see it just because of the beard. You know, I can see maybe the eyeline uh-huh. or whatever, but yeah. ultimately it is what it is. Yeah, I'm talking. He's a good looking brother, so I took it I as a compliment. That. So I appreciate it. You always yeah. have to put that caveat at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, somebody <laughs> mistaked me for him at Clemson, and I think somebody did at, um, at the ACC Media Day as well, too, man. So, yeah, that's always our little joke. But, uh, EJ, you said this is your first time out here. This is our first time out here. And I know that you grew up a, a student of the game watching college football. Uh, just like the rest of us, how excited are you to be able to see this game live for the first time? Well, I'm very excited. Um, for those that don't know, my dad actually served in the Air Force mm. for six years. I know that's not Army and Navy, but I grew up in Virginia Beach right near the Naval Base, all right, over in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. My dad worked there as a civil servant for like 30-plus years. He retired two years ago. Um, so this is very near and dear to me and how I grew up um, in the sense of also this game has its own weekend. I mean, how, how good does it get after that? You know what I mean? Like, after the bowl championships and all that, Army-Navy is front and center. Uh, so now that I got the opportunity to come here and host our show on SiriusXM with Jacob Hester, uh, really excited and uh, truly, you know, see it as an honor because not everybody gets this chance to come here. And every single person I've told I've co- I was coming, like, yo, it's going to be so awesome. It's a bucket list moment. Like, enjoy the whole thing. So I can't wait to see how tomorrow plays out. So you were a touted quarterback, obviously, coming out of high school. Did you get recruited by either one of these schools? And how do you think you would have <laughs> fair being an option quarterback. <laughs> at one I, of these I did not I did not get recruited by Army or Navy. Uh, and as far as being an option quarterback, I don't think it would have fit my skill set. Although I did do some speed option and all that. I probably could have probably could have did it, but I think uh, at that point, you know, I was looking at Florida State's and LSU's and all that kind of stuff. Alright, so you eventually went there to Florida State. I don't know if you know this. They've been in the news a little bit. And really? uh, you, what, you, what happened? You well, you you gave a rant. That's what happened, and it went viral because Florida yeah. State did not make the college football playoff. Obviously, we know how you feel, but now that we're a few days out, like, how do you understand the argument against it? And are you coming around to it at all, or is it just look, man? Florida State's undefeated. They're in a Power Five conference. If they're undefeated in that P5, that team should find a way in the college football. You know, I think it's really one of those situations where I've had my stages of grief over the past five (laughs) days, truly, like, because Sunday when I watched the show and we were all, uh, myself, Eric McLean, Kelsey Riggs, Eddie Roy, we were all flying from Charlotte to go to Bristol to to film our uh, ACC huddle show. And uh, obviously we're all excited to see because I I had a good feeling leaving the stadium, you know, Saturday night. You know, I think during the game I was like, I don't know, because it wasn't as dominant of a win offensively for Florida State, which I figured, okay, I just saw Alabama beat Georgia, saw Texas route Oklahoma State. So I'm thinking "Mm, the, the committee could maybe try to use this against the Knowles. And so once they won the game, I was excited. Got to talk to Coach Norvell. Lawrence Tofili was the ACC uh, player of the game in that one. And so I felt confident. And then I saw the show. And just the way that Reese Davis and the crew was kind of teeing it off, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't really know if this is going to go the way I want it to go. And so ultimately when I saw Bama at four, Florida State at five, you know, initially I was upset, more so for the young men. 
because, look, we've all played the game, and you know how hard it is going back to January of 2023 when you start moving toward this season and mat drills and spring drills and spring practice and classes and all the things you have to do in the summer to just get to this point to, A, win a game, but then you win all your games, and then the last one that you win in the regular season is with your backup, and then the, the second one that you win is the AC Championship game with a third-string quarterback. So I don't understand how you don't really honor that, let alone just the wins itself being enough to get into a championship round. So I still think it's wrong. I'm always going to think it's wrong. Um, obviously, it's set in stone, so that's why I say the, the levels of grief, I'm kind of still at the point where I, now I've kind of relaxed a little bit. I think Wednesday was Accept when I kind of accepted yeah. where we're at, and then I started looking at the matchup between Florida State and Georgia in the Orange Bowl. It's going to be a really, really good game, depending on who actually plays in the game. Well, now it's set in stone as far as this year goes, but the playoff is going to change. You're going to add 12 teams next year. We all we talked about this. The problems aren't going to go away very NCAA tournament-like where a right. team is going to get a bye, a team's going to get a first seed, and then Florida State's going to be angry. Whoever is Florida State next year might get angry. But at least they get a shot, right. DJ. And so is that what you're looking at? How do you feel like this 12-team playoff is going to go? Well, I'm excited for it. Uh, my first thought is I think it's going to bring a lot of valid games late in November, um, especially teams that are on the brink you know, between you know, 8 and 16, maybe even up to 20 as far as in the rankings. You're going to have some upsets in teams that find a way to get in. So that part I do think is good. But ultimately, let's also be real with ourselves. You got Texas and Oklahoma headed to the SEC. You got UCLA. USC, Washington, and Oregon also headed to the Big Ten. If you look at the top 12 right now, there's only one team that's not in those two conferences that would be in the top 12. So ultimately, and I understand you'd have a group of five champion and all that kind of stuff, they would probably also get in. But I do think it's an arms race with these conferences. The Big Ten, the SEC, they are carrying the flag the furthest, I think, out of everybody. And so I do think we might have the same issue, same uh, infuriation where there's some teams that are left out that maybe because they're not in the SEC or they're not in the Big Ten, they don't get a chance to compete for a, a championship in the, the round of 12. Well, I will say that Fluke Juki on a text line said, uh, holy bleep, EJ and Wes could pass as twins. Y'all should start telling everyone that y'all are twins. Yeah, yeah, we'll, right. say, we're, we'll say we're brothers. All right, right. Yeah, yeah, we're brothers. All right, so <laughs> how do you think Florida State, though, talking about that matchup with Georgia, how do you think that they should handle this thing? Because neither Coach Smart or Coach Norvell appeared at the news conference for this game. I've heard people whispering that Florida State should maybe boycott this game. <laughs> what do you want the Noles to do, and how do you see this Georgia matchup? So funny out? enough, it's funny you mentioned that, Wes. I actually saw the Florida Gators are going to be boycotting their bowl game. Oh, wait, they're not actually going to a bowl. I'm sorry. Yes. All of it. Yeah. My bad. Oops. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, as far as the game, look, you still go out there and play because you have the, op op excuse me, the opportunity to still send these seniors out the right way. Look, everybody's not going to go to the NFL. And even if the guys do get drafted or get picked up, they may not play long. So if you still have another opportunity to put something on tape, to potentially be the SEC opponent in Georgia, who's still a very, very good football team. Just because they beat Alabama doesn't change the fact that they've been number one for the whole year. And so ultimately, uh, you go out there and you, you just do your best. I mean, this is really good reps for the young guys. Tate Rodemaker, who's a young quarterback still, I'm assuming he'll be back and available for this game. And uh, I think, again, it's an opportunity to put something on tape going into the spring.
We done here. We got to move on, I guess. But AJ Manuel, that's tough. Yeah, that's we'll, all we we'll got. Okay. No, that's, that's, all, that's all we got. Cool. Hey, look, man, such is life here on Media Row for the Army Navy game. That's EJ Manuel, former Florida State quarterback, NFL first round pick. Now you can catch him on the ACC Network, dropping bombs yeah, on the college football playoff committee bombs when it's time going, to do it. <laughs> going viral. So EJ, we appreciate the time, man. And when we come back, your partner's going to join us, Jacob Hester. And so we're going to ask him for dirt about you, uh, amongst <laughs> other things. That's right. <laughs> We'll we come back on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.